Hey everybody, it's Hoppa from A Tribe Called Dad. First of all, I want to wish a very happy Father's Day to all the dads that are out there, and I'm so excited to bring you this episode. We have a Father's Day episode that we recorded live at the Fittler Club in Philadelphia. We sat down with Jeff David and Sabir Peel to talk about work-life integration. Not work-life balance, but work-life integration. I hope you enjoy this episode. Lots of great takeaways. Happy Father's Day. What do you think, Miranda? Are we good to go? Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. First of all, I want to thank everybody for joining us here today. I'm sure there might be a few stragglers that will pop in. Um, big thank you to the Fittler Club for hosting us here. This is exciting. My name is DJ Hoppa. I represent a brand called A Tribe Called Dad. We're all about being able to highlight stories of fatherhood, being able to uh, spread the good news of fatherhood, essentially. And um, I'm very excited because today we have two dads who are going to sit down with me in honor of Father's Day. Jeff, who I've known very long, and Sabir, who I've known very short, but I feel like we are kindred spirits. And we are. <laughs> I think the hats tell it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I want to give a quick little background on both of these gentlemen because some of you may know them already, and others, uh, you're meeting them for the first time here today. So uh, let's see. I'll start, with, uh, I'll start with Sabir. Sabir M. Peel. Sabir serves as a freelance brand ambassador and executive stylist for GQ and consults for numerous brands on top of running the ship at Men's Style Pro. He's also the proud father of four-year-old Hendrix, like Jimmy, which is probably one of the most awesome names I think I've heard for a kid, um, and is a shining example of, an, of a successful entrepreneurial dad. Everybody welcome Sabir. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome in. Yes, the Zoom clap. I got the clap. Got the Zoom clap. I love it. Um, (laughs) Before I introduce Jeff, I do want to um, say this and remind everybody who's tuning in right now. We are going to leave a little bit of room here at the end of this session for a couple of questions. So if you have questions, please make sure to put them in the chat and we'll... We'll make sure to cover some of those questions at the end of today's session. Um, I also gave Sabir and Jeff both a little bit of homework to create some takeaways uh, and be able to wrap this thing up as well with a top three pieces of advice that each of them has for how they're raising their sons. So into Jeff, Jeff David has a pedigree that spans over 25 years and is a leader in the hospitality industry in opening luxury properties. He's opened up amazing properties all over the world from Aspen to Anguilla, Santa Monica to DC, and many more. Uh, his current position is the president of the Fittler Club in Philly, uh, best described as a hybrid business model that combines Equinox, WeWork, and Soho House in a 130,000 square foot private club. Most importantly, Jeff is the proud father of 14-year-old Gabriel and has done the impossible in being able to maintain family life amidst an insane commute. And Jeff will tell us a little bit more about that um, as we jump in here. But everybody, welcome Jeff David. Yes, yes, love it. 
Um, all right, so I just want to jump in here, guys, and uh, and get a little bit of your backstories um, in terms of both professionally and then also for you as a dad. Um, would love for you to catch people up on sort of wherever you feel like a, a good starting point is career-wise that you want to start to talk about, and then how how fatherhood has sort of worked its way into that. The topic for today that we're going to try to center around is work-life balance and really just trying to to balance those two things. And um, I'm very interested to hear how each of you has done that. I think both of you have done this very successfully in different ways. And uh, yeah, let's, let's just jump in. Sabir, do you want to, do you want to kick things off? Sure. Why not? Um, so for me, I run menstylepro.com, which is a men's style blog. And I also do brand consulting as well. So I work with brands from the publishing side. So I've worked with the GQs, the Esquires of the world, the Philly mag, to brands like Adidas, Macy's, Nike, all the brands that you can think of. I'll probably add some kind of touch point in terms of creating content for them. So I started my brand way back in 2010 while I was still working in higher education at a local university here in Philly. Um, but I was able to transition after four years of just hard work of doing the education side full-time and starting the blog uh, and doing that pretty much full-time. I put myself in some good places and the right opportunities came up that allowed me to leave my job. So that was in 2014. I started freelancing for GQ and hosting this national uh, tour called Lookbook Live. And then I had to really dig into my business hat because obviously I had to talk to my wife to be like, hey, I think I'm going to quit my job and my full-time job, my full-time benefits. And I want to pursue everything I've been working on for the last four years. And I thought she was going to be hesitant because that's income that I knew was coming in and benefits. And she was like, you've worked so hard. Why not take the opportunity? And this is pre Hendrix, no kids. It's just us two in our house that we own. And I took the leap. And I think that's, that was also the year that I officially LLC'd Men's Style Pro because it was my full-time gig and I wanted to put my stamp on it to have those papers. So when the tax man came, I could officially do what I was doing. Um, and I, I went in right away. I started working. I started sending proposals out to brands. At one point I did uh, sign on to a influencer agency to help me like balance the work. Uh, but I, I put my nose down, kept my creativity up and networked my behind off and just worked. But two years into being a full-time freelancer and consultant for brands, we had Hendrix and it really changed how I went about, um, just working in general, because my wife works for a pharmaceutical company and she luckily has the benefit of working from home, mm. but she worked for someone else. So eventually she had to go back to work. So it was actually great for me when she we first had Hendrix because she was home and I was really balancing her time with my time. So I was giving her enough time to just feel like a human, right. not just a mom working nonstop. Right. Um, but then if I wanted to just go off to my office in Philly and just do work, she was like, well, I'm home. You better take this time now while you got it because it's going to switch back up. And what I decided to do, and we both decided that when she had to go back to work, I was going to work less. Mm. So I was going to work two days a week, dedicated time, no Hendrix, just in my office. Or if I had to go off and shoot or go to meetings in New York or wherever, that was my time to work. And that's when I started to learn like the using my like home resources as a work-life balance mm -hmm. and I was lucky, lucky, enough, lucky enough to be in a fortunate situation where my wife understood how hard I've worked to, 
turn something that people would consider a hobby from starting a blog to doing the consulting along with it to make it a business to where I was becoming a national, international brand that she said, look, if we can make it work, let's just find the balance because your work, she validated how important my work was because it was important to me. Mm. So, Yeah, you got a good one. That's a good, yeah. that's a good yeah. relationship that, that, She's and no I joke. think, yeah. And, uh, I think that that's also, uh, probably true of Jeff's story as well. Um, yeah. and, uh, I do want to ask you just something really quick on that. The, those first months where she now has gone back to work Yeah. and here you are thrown into a whole new situation. Talk to us a little bit about what that was like in trying to balance. You've got this brand that is essentially another baby that you're trying to raise mm -hmm. at the same time as you're, there's no manual for how to do either of these things. And, and talk to us a little bit about how you found the balance during that time. It, so I kind of reverted back to like when I first started Men's Style Pro because I worked a full-time job that actually where I had to travel a lot and I would be working pretty much like 18 hours a day. So I kind of dug into my, like, you got to have the insomnia quiver and just be able to put that level of energy into your son now. So like I would sleep when he slept, get up when I could, but I, the drive became different because like I had to work to provide for another being. Right. So I think it, it forced me to actually work way smarter. Like everything wasn't about creating content at that moment. It was really about like, how can I set up the other stream of business on the consulting side? I remember there were times like Hendrix was still in the carrier and I was consulting for a shoe brand that was local, uh, Cobble and Hyde. And I had just brought them on as a client. I was doing all this web design, like consulting with their web people and doing all this. Literally had Hendrix in the carrier. I'm like, I got to bring my kid with me. I was like, I will not disrupt my wife and her work. I was like, if when it was me, it was 100% me. So I, I just told myself, I was frustrated at first. I can't lie. It was very frustrating for me because I like my time. Mm -hmm. I like doing things for me mm -hmm. and just working. And because I like to work, I'm probably one of the rare people who enjoy working. I won't work myself to death, but I like when I'm working, that's what I want to do. I was like, you know what? Now that I have Hendrix, if I have to take those extra two hours just to focus in on my kid, we got to go for a walk or do something because I started to change it into like a meditative time. Mm. So like, okay, me and Hendrix, we're going to meditate it out. We're going to walk. We're going to sit. I'll sing songs. And it became a, a lesson in patience for me mm -hmm. of how to restructure how I worked more than um, that way I was creating. It just said like, Sabir, you did this for years, your entire life. Now you just have a person that you have to care for to fit into that. And it became, uh, it became like a new hustle for me. I gamified my life a little bit. Like right. how much can I do before he wakes up? Or I know I'm going to have to take him for a walk or, I would put him in the uh, Bajorn. Yeah, yeah. If I yeah. knew I had to be working, if I, I, I discovered the angle of laying back where <laughs> he would start to fall asleep and I would just type around his head. Yep. And he loved it. So it it's about finding what's going to work for you because obviously there's no manual for this. Mm -hmm. um, and knowing what resources you had. Luckily, my wife's in-laws were close by too. So if there was ever a real jam, I would call Miriam Torres up like, hey, I, I need your help. <laughs> And, she's a, and she was a pediatric nurse too. So I was like, you're it's safer with, safer with you than oh, yeah. with us. So. Yeah. You're winning. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it, man. Uh, yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for, sh for sharing that. Um, I, 
want to go over Jeff's story. And by the way, I wrote down insomnia quiver, which I think you should uh, trademark. That's a that's a good yeah. one. <laughs> uh, Jeff, you you probably have some insomnia quiver as well. I mean, I I remember we go back, and um, I remember when you know your son was young, and we spent time together in Anguilla. And, um, it's crazy to me now that you have a 14 year old son that still blows my mind. Um, but one of the things that always stood out to me and at the time I wasn't a a father yet. So, um, for everybody listening in, I'm a father of, um, two girls right now. I've got a six year old daughter, Ellie, and a four year old daughter, Irie. Um, and I've got a new baby on the way, um, which by the way, actually this, I'm going to announce this on this show, which I wasn't planning to necessarily, but I am finally getting my boy. Um, I'm expecting a boy in December, so I'm, I'm absorbing tips from Sabir, you and Jeff, as well, because you both have sons. Um, Jeff, talk to us a little bit about your your backstory and uh, and having Gabriel as well, and all of the different projects that you've had over the years. Yeah, I saw my wife dial in, so she's my fact check. So you, you <laughs> get honest answers here. Love it. No, great. So hi, babe. Um, so basically, yeah, I come from the hotel business. I started, I was a student at UCLA. The movie Pretty Woman came out. I, I wanted to work at the Regent Beverly Wilshire at that time. You millennials, I, I had to like get the Sunday paper and circle the classified ads and call the phone number. Yeah, uh, yeah, nice. Um, and then, uh, you know, that was a Four Seasons Hotel. I, I moved to Boston on, on a promotion met with my wife in Boston. We got married. Uh, we left the city life and we got married in Nevis in, in the British West Indies near St. Kitts. Got my first, you know, food and beverage director job in, in the British Virgin Islands. So um, it was sort of like um, Shawshank Redemption. We, it was like Zewantaneo. Like you, we just kind of lived a small island life, jet setting as a honeymoon couple. Um, then went to Anguilla, first tour of duty. And um, we decided to start a family. I took my first GM job around 2003. Um, 2006, I'm so bad with years, and my wife's good with years, and obviously Sabir is excellent with years. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm jogging it, and that's what comes with age. So that's one of my advice. You just get old and forget things. Right. Uh, 2006, I did my first transition, which means I had to go into a hotel. This was Chatham Bars Inn, 2006, with a new owner basically let go of all the executive management, run it in the high season. And my wife was pregnant. Mm. So that was the first foray in jumping in that she's pregnant, sitting at home, um, five years married, and I'm running around crazy trying to run a luxury hotel without a uh, director of sales and marketing without, you know, I'm the acting GM without a financial controller. So that was kind of a preview of probably the next few years to come. Mm. And then, to add insult to injury while she was pregnant, you know, a developer from Los Angeles called and said, Hey, we're making this mega hotel, the best hotel in the Caribbean. Would you like to go back to the Caribbean? So that was like crossroad number two. We just started a family and do you want to just go 3000 miles South? So, uh, we said yes, and we were going to make it work. And like I said, that was probably my wife's mantra. We're just going to have to make this work. Mm. Um, the, from zero to six, like infant to six years old, my son probably had a charmed army brat life. And when I mean charmed, I think before kindergarten, he was uh, American Airlines gold. He learned how to ski on Aspen. He learned how to swim in the Caribbean. 
he didn't realize he didn't he didn't realize uh, that that's not a conventional life. Right. So still we had this uh, just kind of life that you're really proud of. Then challenge happens when you want to get a bigger house, commit to a school. So then I pivoted and did a reverse commute. I happened to be a company that needed me for multiple openings. So that's why I was like regional. I wasn't like itchy feet and mm-hmm. looked at classified ads at different cities and countries. It was just my tours of duty. Right. So uh, after Angola, I can't, I can't even count, but it, I opened in Times Square. I opened in D.C. I opened in Nantucket. I opened in Santa Monica and I did the reverse commute. Now, instead of them, as my son was portable at the time and my my wife could like put in a kid seat and an airplane like in under 20 seconds flat. I had to just do the sacrifice. Um, the biggest testimony was probably last year. I call it tour duty because it's the best way, but I opened Santa Monica proper. Yep. And I literally had to sleep in a hotel room four days a week, sleep on an airplane on a red eye two nights a week and I'll sleep in my own bed in my own house one night a week for a year. So, wow. You know, and, and we made it work, um, you know, and absence makes the heart grow fonder is very cliche, yeah. um, but we, we made a routine. I think the hardest part of Santa Monica wasn't the commute. It was waking up four in the morning on the iPad so I could say good morning and have our routine, mm. breakfast, and everything like that. So you, don't forget the time change. So right. when getting ready for school, I never missed a beat or tried not to miss a beat. And we just... FaceTimed each other seven in the morning, even if I had to go back to sleep and conversely did that for night. And that was the routine. And that's kind of one of the things uh, I'd love to give as a take home later on in the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I I mean, I, you know, when people complain about their commutes, (laughs) I know, I know people who are, you know, I mean, I live in LA, so everything is a commute and people complain about, you know, having to commute 45 minutes to get to work. I mean, I just can't even imagine, you know, talk to me a little bit about the foundation that was set in your relationship with it, within your marriage, because I think that that has a lot to do with it um, in terms of being able to make something like that work. Cause I think there's a lot of people that would probably be like, I have no idea how that would even go or that wouldn't even be a, uh, an option to even go that route. Yeah. Anyone who hears about our life either, doesn't understand it or envies me (laughs) (laughs) like envies like, Oh, wow. You know, um, I have to say it and I'm not even just saying it because she's uh, on this listening in on the podcast, but it was when she looked me in the eye and it's like, we're going to make this work. Mm. We're going to have to make it work, you know? Um, uh, so we just developed a routine. We accidentally, no one really spells out their careers. You could, Sabir organically spelled out how his just unfolded. Right. Same with me. And I'm sure same with most of the population, just your career just unfolds. So, um, you know, habits turn into who you are. And I think you, we just adapted our habits to always talk in the morning and always say good night. Mm. And, and then, and then, um, you know, the good thing is when I started my company in late 2018, I wanted under the auspice of I wanted to start my own company so I could work from home for once. Right. And all, all of a sudden, like it just got farther and farther away. And we just said, this is who what we're going to do. Right. 
Um, and another routine I teach my staff and they're just learning about me and Fitler. I try not to answer a phone or text or anything on my days off. I trade like everyone respects days off because it's that hard reset. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. that's where work-life balance really comes in. And it's like work-life integration. I'm out of bounds, but I'm always reachable. But the way you train it is you don't email. And sometimes you're just late to like responding back because you just, and then people like will get onto that. And that's the culture that I've helped my teams you know, understand my lifestyle too. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up. So, so two things there. One is, um, this concept of work life integration. So I started this, uh, conversation around work life balance and I've heard, um, different schools of thought between work life balance versus work life integration. And I would love to hear your thoughts on work life balance versus integration, Sabir, uh, in terms of what do you feel like you do? Is it more of a balancing act or is it more of an integration? I feel like for me, it's definitely more integration because, like, part of my work or a good portion of my work is me. Like, I'm seen as the outward facing for like a lot of brands. So, like, I'll be doing event hosting or posting content where I'm interacting with brands and products. Um, but I also find ways to integrate Hendrix into that. So like if you go on my Instagram right now, we just, I just did a post, I'm actually wearing a shirt from that, but did a post for, with him for Amazon. And like, if there's an opportunity, opportunity for me to work him in or my family, I do that at times, not all the time. Um, and I think uh, over time, I realized that there's a certain level of privacy that I wanna have and there's certain things that I know that it's fine for me to make public. Um, so for me, it's more of an integration because I, there's people who stop me on the streets wherever I am and they don't say, hey, Sabir. They say, hey, man, style pro. Right. So like my life is this, but a big portion of what I do, I do find time to just turn off. Mm. And people think I've disappeared. I'm like, no, I, I just turn off for a couple of days here and there because I know I, I think I have like a, a cup that I've like have depleted and I need to just chill. Like mm -hmm. now it's just family time. Like if I want to pop back on to something social or onto my website, I will. But if not, I just put it aside because I can always come back to it. There's always a demand for what I'm doing or hopefully, but, um, I, I turn off. Yeah. So it's a real, it's, I don't, cause I, I remember I was reading a book. It was it, um, the one thing I forget who the author is and he talks about work, work life balance. And he was like, it's a weird concept because like work is a part of your life and you're trying to balance it. I was like, yeah, I, for me, it seems weird because of what I do. So I just try to figure out what's going to mesh the best mm -hmm. with what I do mm -hmm. because I think I like to share certain parts of my life because I think people don't see dads doing things sometimes. So I like to sh show like the dad side and then the husband side and also like the fashion and fitness and all that side. So it's definitely an integration for me. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Long story I'm, short, integration. Yeah, <laughs> you vote integration. Um, absolutely. I think Jeff would probably agree with that as well. Um, I did want to touch on this other thing that you just said, Jeff, um, which is a part of the culture and building in this culture. I feel like right now, right now, currently, we all have had to take a bit of a timeout and a bit of a reset here with everything that's going on in our world in terms of the current events that are happening. And we've all sort of been forced into this. And some people are, are dealing with it well, <laughs> and other people are not. 
And um, I think that when you talk about this culture of being able to shut things off and respect this time off and this ability to recharge, you know, we live in this culture in our society, especially in American society, where, you know, you're almost groomed, especially nowadays, to be on demand. And I think young people who are just getting into the workforce are almost, you know, sometimes even trained to be like, you need to be available at the drop of a hat. Like there's no such thing as, as you time, like you need to be always on. And I see a lot of young people that I mentor with that mentality. Talk to me, Jeff, with your, you know, with your wisdom about how having that culture and promoting that culture with people that you've led, you know, what some of the effects that you've seen, some of the positive effects that you've seen from that. Yeah, I um, wow, that's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> I, I honestly think it's um, it's a fuel tank thing. Yeah, I think the more you're aware of what you could do, not like I said, we opened our outdoor restaurant, and I knew I had to work the weekend, and I knew I'm going on 10, 11 days away from home, and I could feel myself fading a little bit. It's sometimes when you can understand how you oscillate, how it's just like working out when, when you work out hard, you need a day of rest. Like, you know, after leg day, you rest. Mm -hmm. If you could kind of just like hypothetically bake that into your mentality. Cause, um, you know, part of my commute, um, was like angry birds and like mindless YouTube because I just had to just dump. I, I couldn't. And, uh, some of my rituals, so to speak is, I, whether I wake up and meditate or walk or, or, or work out, I never want to check my email first thing. Mm, mm -hmm. so I'm checking my email around 745, even though I'm up two or three hours, only because you just got to train yourself that I, 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 I give up my sovereignty uh, as a person if I open up and check my inbox. That's probably the best wisdom I could say is don't check your inbox as soon as you wake up. Yeah, I haven't checked my phone. It's my alarm clock. And, and it's my FaceTime. So I'll do it that. And if, if someone texts, I'll read the text because my, my alert's on and you can't get away from it. Right. But I never open my inbox till like, you know, maybe after the shower is probably the best way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it's interesting because I, even in my own career, I, uh, I had a mentor of mine recognize a pattern that I fell into early on in my career, which was just saying yes to everything and, and sort of being very distracted with certain things. So I'd be in the middle of doing something. Somebody would walk into my office and then all of a sudden now I'm, I'm, I'm handling that issue and I've never really finished the thing that I was meant to set out to do. So I, I do think that being able to really carve out boundaries, whether both on the professional side and even on the, on the dad side, I mean, I have the same sort of thing. Wednesday for me is my dad day. Um, and those are days that I dedicate the, first part of the day up until three o'clock in the afternoon is all reserved for my kids. Um, and I don't take meetings. I don't do anything else except for focusing on them and what it is that we're doing. And yeah, I think building in that time and, and trying to create those habits has proven to be useful for me as well. Are there habits that you've, you've carved out Sabir within fatherhood? So, so for me, and it really happened during like the very beginning of the whole quarantine, um, just like Jeff was saying, uh, I started uh, meditating. Like I really had to in the morning cause I was 
So I wasn't the email checker. I would go right on the social to see if like any updates from brands or things like that I need to check on. And then I'd be sucked into my phone like a crazy person. Where now for the first hour of my day, I meditate and I write. Mm. That was like my beginning. Mm. And it it just set the pace for my day where I had it, it let me tell myself and it let me tell myself that it was okay to slow down and take my day as how it goes. So like right now, since I'm home and I work for myself, I basically from when I get up to about three o'clock, we call it switch time. And then Marina picks up. So like, I just dedicate that time to Hendrix throughout the day. Yep. And like, we just, I focus in on him because I realize I can get work done. I just have to set a new time frame. And then mm-hmm. as things go back to like some level of normalcy, I'll have a couple more days to just focus on that. But I've learned personally, and I think it just took a while for me to understand that it's way more important to invest that time into my son. Cause like I can work on my own time. And I always thought like I had to be working during these certain hours to be productive. I was like, no, you can just shift those hours if it works for you. And I just made it work. Right. Right. I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to create a little bit of, uh, maybe, maybe some waves here in saying this, but I do want to go on the record and actually say this. We've had this debate on the show, uh, before, not this episode, but, but in other shows, um, about this concept of multitasking. And I feel like, and I'm, I'm going to make a bold statement here. I, I feel like men actually do a better job of recognizing that we're not skilled enough to multitask. Whereas I think women are a bit more delusional and believe that they can actually multitask and do multiple things at the same time, particularly moms. I'm calling out all of the moms right here, right now. We've learned a lot. Dads have learned a lot from moms. Moms, I want you to learn this from dads. You cannot do two things at once. Like slow down and focus on this one thing that you're doing. I know I'm going to create controversy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, can't do it well. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. I appreciate um, you guys sharing some of this wisdom. And I do want to jump into some more wisdom and some takeaways here. So we have a section of the show called the top three. Um, I've got actually a little bit of a, a little bit of audio here that I'm going to run. And so we're going to do, uh, we'll do a top one, then a top two, then a top three, and we'll do Sabir and Jeff. You'll do this like Sabir, you'll go first. Yep. One. And then Jeff will do one and then two and then two. So, uh, here we go. Just a little bit of an intro for our top three here. A tribe called dad. This is the top three. It's the top three. It's the top three. This is the top three. These are some of our our, our kids that are a part of this. Uh, Here we go. Number one. Number one. Sabir, number one. What is one thing that uh, you can offer up as dad advice to other dads that are out there? Um, So, and this is specifically for uh, dads of sons. uh, And I wholeheartedly believe this. Teach your boys that being like a man doesn't mean about being macho. It's about being kind, understanding, loving, and just present. And like all those things together will make you very much a man or whatever you want to see that as. Because once you have those qualities, you can do anything and you're way more open. So it's not about can you fight? Can you do this? You can learn. You can go to Taekwondo, learn how to fight and learn discipline. But if you are an open, kind, loving person, like what's more manly than that? Mm. I love that. I love that. And, and let me ask you, how do you teach that? Give us one example of something that you can do that somebody can do to teach their son that. So I'm an affectionate person in terms of like, I, I high five my son, we give hugs, we tell people like how good they're doing. And I also 
have Hendricks just ask like, how are you doing? It's good to just ask that to people. I feel like people don't ask those questions enough mm. and mean it. So one of the first things, because Hendricks always wakes up before me, he, I'll wake up and he says, yeah, how are you doing today? Mm. And we just talk for a second. So even that, I kind of give him a level of respect that he's almost like a peer mm-hmm. in that. And mm-hmm. it just shows him how to have empathy and how to listen. I love it. I love it. That's awesome, man. Uh, here we go. Number one. Jeff David, one piece of advice here for other dads out there. Um, obviously, because I, I commute a lot, I think it's routine. Like I said, uh, I was always fond that like after church, we went to a restaurant. We didn't eat out a lot growing up, you know, sort of um, middle middle income. So, you know, it, so I looked forward to Sundays. And, you know, so I believe in a routine where um, pre-COVID, right, it was always like date night with my wife and daytime, whether it's like now he's a teenager, so it's on the golf course or uh, in the driveway shooting hoops. But if you get into a cadence or routine or today's world, they call it an algorithm. (laughs) It's like, you know, sets and reps like Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's how you get strong. You just sets and reps. And uh, the more you're in a routine... Um, I think that the stronger the, the memories will be when, when you, our sons are dads, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And, um, and an example of, uh, of something routine that you do that that's a part of your daily routine. Well, like I said, COVID kind of threw a lot of routines off and, and my son, if he's listening, he's a teenager, so he'll never wake up before me, right? <laughs> you're, gonna find you're just going to have to shake him out of bed. Uh, uh, yeah, it is always saying good morning and good night. I mean, that's a that's a commuter routine, but a more acute routine is when I'm home weekends, um, like when there's normalcy and not COVID, date night with my wife mm. and daytime with my son just to split up a precious Saturday is kind of a good routine, I could say. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like the days you said and everything like that, yeah. Yeah, love that, love that. All right, here we go, number two. Number two. Sabir, number two. So number two for me is exposure, expose your child to different everything. So different food, different people, different cultures. Like I remember one of my proudest moments was when uh, Hendrix was 18 months old. I remember this to the T. Uh, it was me, my wife, Marina, him. We went out to a uh, like some kind of uh, Japanese restaurant and he had sushi. And he loved sushi from Jump. And he know he knew at 18 months how to use chopsticks. Wow! And there was a group, yeah, it was a group of college kids sitting at a table like two and a half tables over from us, and they're having their beers and whatever. And one of them just happens to look over, and I catch their ear and earshot, and he goes, "That baby's using chopsticks." And I say it proudly and loudly, like, "Yo, he's only 18 months." <laughs> and I was like, just for the fact that, like, when people ask, like, "Oh, Hendrix, what's your favorite food?" It's sushi, and he likes to talk to people of different cultures and learn different things. Like we go to museums often, we go to the zoo, all the books that we have are across all cultures. He can tell you all the continents and what happens where. Just to know like the world, the whole takeaway from this is teaching your child the world is bigger than them. Mm-hmm. And I want him to be a world citizen mm-hmm. instead of just like a very like provincial person. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great, man. That's great. Is there anything that you're you're looking forward to exposing him to that you haven't gotten a chance to quite yet. Uh, maybe because he's too young right now and, and maybe there's some stuff that's coming up that you're excited about exposing him to. Um, I, I want to get into more travel. Like, so, uh, my, 
my wife's Puerto Rican and she has a lot of family in Puerto Rico. So we've gotten to take them to the island before and just exposing them to like the other half of his culture. Mm-hmm. But now I want to take him like more around the world. I think just bigger travel that he can actually take in before he was just like a sidekick. Like his first trip, like he should live a better life than I lived already. Like he has a passport. So he went his first beach experience and water experience was Bermuda. So like the first time he touched water was Bermuda. I was like, you're living good. Right. I just want you to continue to living real, real, real good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, and that's progress, right? I think, you know, we, we should be raising our kids to be, to have, you know, these better experiences that we all like may have had when we were kids. And I think like that's a, that's a part of it. And I think, yeah, we want to be able to pass that, that on to that next generation. Um, love it. All right, here we go. Jeff, number two, number two, <laughs> number two. Takeoff that you want your the next generation to have be comfortable, but I also think that there's um, a double-edged sword. So my number two is grit. I honestly think when you know my my son likes basketball like me, and I just said you know kids from urban are better players because they they don't have all these Xbox or Playstations or private schools or comfort. So when you know grit. And like there's statistics that all these prime ministers and presidents grew up dyslexic or left-handed, just adversity and, and weakness. I mean, you know, uh, pain is growth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, you're constantly hypocritical that you want to comfort your child, but you want them to struggle for growth. Right. And so it, it's hard to do grit when you want to comfort your kid. So that's kind of mm-hmm. like sometimes like tough love, like, you know, um, my wife cringes when, when there's a basketball game because I won't yell at the coach. I won't yell at the ref like most dads. And uh, the only time I'll ever raise my voice in the sun is if he doesn't try, if he mm. gives up. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that incites me is if he gives up. So, uh, and so that's what I'm trying to instill grit. So I, I, I think that it's, it's going to be, it's like an oxymoron. You want to comfort your child, but you want them to be tough. Like you want them to, to you know, so you want their heart to be broken, their first arm broke out of falling out of a tree because he's climbing it, but you don't want it as a dad. Right. What you do is that they're learning. Right. You know? Right. Outside of sports, how have you been able to find that balance with Gabriel, like maybe academically or, or in other scenarios? Like, are there good examples that you can give of, of where you've, you know, instilled that grit or how you're doing that? Um. Yeah, you know, uh, a prime example. And now if there's any like teenage like dads, dads, teenagers, um, we don't communicate where he used to run in at, when I come home from the airport and run to the door. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't do that anymore with a 14 year old. I'm like, take the earphones off while he's playing PlayStation, you know, with his with his buddies. But um, I think what's a, um, a beautiful thing is he texted me. Like I'm texting my son now, right? So, and you know, um, and he just texted me a little video and said, dad, I touched the rim. And you know, a five, eight, 14 year old kid that touching the rim. Nice. So it was that, now that was just a little moment of bonding because that was something relatable. And he said, this is how, you know, we just keep jumping till we touch the rim. So. So that the fact that he texted me a video was kind of a sign of the times, but I never had that two years ago. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. That, that 
one thing that I think any kid who plays basketball says the first time they want can dunk. So at least he has a small dream and you could see progress of touching the net and touching the rim and dunking a tennis ball and maybe dunking a basketball, you know, and it's that. So, yeah, it's. Um, can you still get up there, Jeff? Oh, no. <laughs> no, COVID wasn't good to me. You know, at least, you know, I'm, uh, but no, I, uh, no, I, I probably, <laughs> uh, uh, no, uh, I don't, I can't even dream about um, dunking a basketball anymore. I don't think, you know, I'm almost 50, so I don't know. It's crazy. Grit, man. You just got, you know, keep, keep trying. <laughs> Reps, man. No incentive. <laughs> There's no incentive for a guy like me to dunk a basketball. None. Right, right, right. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Um, all right, here we go. Number three. Number three. Sabir, number three. All right. So my number three was having patience. So, like, obviously, Jeff, you know, and you both know, and Hoppa, like, when you have a kid, the, the first part of it, like, when they're newborns, it's actually relatively easy because they don't do much. But as they start, they, like, get older and start doing things, they start to stretch how much patience that you can have. But, like, as I watch my son develop and do things and it's where I want him to be done something or move through something, I get to do it with him now and really take stock in the fact that like there's so much growth and development that I was trying to rush through because I was busy. So having patience with my son to do certain things has showed me one, again, how to slow down and two, showing him that like I care. I think for me growing up, like my dad wasn't around and I didn't have that kind of example of like, a real parent figure because my, my mom passed away when I was 11 and my dad just passed away two years ago, mm. but we weren't close. And just having someone to be there and say, oh, you want to build this racetrack or engineer something? I was like, well, make the time to do it because those moments, he might not remember that exact moment, but he'll remember that I was there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So having the patience and having that inner thing that says like, I want to be here with you and doesn't matter how long this is going to take, you have my time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that, I think that that's important. We've had quite a few dads on the podcast, uh, be able to recall the lack of presence of, of their fathers. Like it's, it's particularly, you know, most, most people that had said that in the past were, you know, it was around like sports or whatnot and they're, they're not being that presence. And I think it's interesting, Jeff, because you brought that up with, you know, uh, Gabriel texting you. And I think like, there's a way to have presence without physically being there also. Mm -hmm. Like those are two different things, you know, being physically yeah. present and, and being present. Like those are, those can be two different things. So um, yeah, patience, that's a great one, man. Patience is, is something that I feel like I'm constantly working on. <laughs> it's a constant yeah. work in progress. Name, my name means patience. So I was like, if I can't live my name, <laughs> Sabir, Sabir means, Sabir yeah, means, means patience. Yeah. Wow. What language is it's, uh, Arabic? Wow. That's wow. Yeah. There you go. You got to live up to your name. So yeah. we have Sabir and like Jeff. Uh, <laughs> I don't even have a hat on, you know, like, uh, I'm it's not okay, worried. Jeff. We, <laughs> next time we'll, I'll send you a hat, Jeff. Next time we do yeah. this, we'll make sure that we, you get a hat here. Um, all right, here we go. Number three. Number three. Oh, um, I said this to my staff and I say it to my son and it's it really resonates me is, um, being intellectually curious, mm. like never take anything for granted. You know, 
back in the seventies, you know, people used to like take apart cars and put them together again. But nowadays in age with Google and like social media, you just take a lot of things for granted. And, you know, when I grew up fishing and, and all these other like nature stuff, not, you know, I think that what's a lost art is just being curious how things work. Mm. You know, even Legos, you, there's either the people who could create things or follow directions. Right. So like, I, I think when you intellectually curious, you, you're, you're a better business person, you're a better artist. You're just, I think when you could figure out how things work, because today's day and age, everything's so spoon fed, that things are so convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, YouTube is a great vehicle, right? Right. right. You, could, you could use these medias for education or entertainment. And I think there's both, right? Yep. There's, yep. So they can't stand it because I love The Office. My family loves The Office. And we love like Chopped. And they can't stand when it's my turn because I want to put it on the History Channel or National Geographic. <laughs> and they groan and they got to like deal with it. <laughs> right. But like, but yeah, we there there's something nice about like you know the balance of both like you know so um i think if you're intellectually curious you'll 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 it helps with empathy to your point severe when you try to understand that empathy is just understanding someone it doesn't mean you side with right. them you understand it and i think that's what this world needs mm-hmm. with events because everyone thinks empathy is like a bleeding heart and it's compassion no empathy means i get them i understand where they're coming from I might not agree or disagree, but I understand why they feel, feel that way. Mm-hmm. And that's a very hard thing, you know, with yeah. nations divided and I'm not going to go there. We can, but it's top of things. But if you're intellectually curious, you're going to like, and I learned this in DC, I don't have a political stance until I watch MSNBC and Fox and one will pain me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you can watch, you know, um, if you go watch both at the same time, then you're then at least you're trying to understand how both sides think and then you could formulate your own opinion so right uh so that, that that's what i meant by intellectual curiosity yeah like, uh, uh you just gotta be curious because i think i think that's a lost art yeah i think it's so convenient yeah yeah i think just to piggyback off of what you just said i also think that it's you were saying that there are these tools and I would agree with you. I think like now more than ever, you could learn almost anything you want to learn like that exists out there. Right. I mean, the, the information exists out there. There's a lot more of it. So it does require some, some digging and some persistence and, you know, figuring out what resonates with you and, and figuring out like, okay, this is how this person says this works. And this is how this person says this works. And now let me put it all together and figure out what, how I feel like I will approach this. But um, I think that it's really important for um, people to be able to be intellectually curious, learn about these things, and then take it one step further and not just stop at, you know, whatever that first hurdle is. Um, and if it's something that you really want to do and, and pursue, then do it. And I think that that also resonates with fatherhood, you know, because I think that there's a lot of things where um, I've heard of, you know, horrible situations where people just give up. You know, and they and they give up when when things get tough or, um, you know, I mean, raising kids is obviously not the easiest thing to do in this world. And um, I think it's important to be able to to be curious, to figure out how those things work, to figure out how other people have approached them. And that's why I love this conversation, too, because 
Um, I've learned a ton just by listening to the two of you talk about some of these things. And um, I hope that people who have been tuned into this have gotten something out of it as well. Um, Yo, I just want to, I really want to thank the two of you for being so open and honest and being able to share these like personal aspects of your lives and being able to sort of pay it forward to everybody who's listening into the podcast and to all the the members here of the uh, Fitler Club. I, I do want to take a moment if there's any questions from anybody who happens to be on here on our, on our live feed right here. If anybody has any questions, we can take a question or two for Sabir or for Jeff or for both. Um, anybody have any questions? Uh, any other tips for creating that balance? So we got a, a question here. So, uh, Jeff or Sabir, do you guys want to tackle that? Is there, are there any other tips that you would have for finding that balance? I, I think for me, uh, and this is kind of like a daily thing and it kind of helps with like just being an entrepreneur, figuring out what's going to be mo- the most time consuming thing for me to do and where I can make that the first thing that's knocked out of the way. Mm-hmm. I'd rather get my hardest and most time consuming thing done where I have the most energy to, because I don't want to be thinking about that and trying to be a dad at the same time, like focus my one major task. Cause if it's a little task I need to get done, I can do that in 10 minutes elsewhere. But that first task, I try to knock that out first. So then if I do have to multitask at some point, I'm not missing out on the big thing. And that's just something that I like to do. Mm. Um, that probably doesn't work for everybody. Right. But I, 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 get, I can hyper-focus. So. Nice. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know exactly. But like I said, uh, I think you're right. I think to, to Severe's point, just put your priorities Maybe I think a good sound advice is uh, teach to learn. Sometimes when you're teaching your son, you kind of reflect that, oh, you know, mm. it, it reminds you. Or if you have a staff or anything and you, you teach them what the right thing is to do, you're constantly monitoring it yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's honest. It keeps you avoiding hypocrisy, you know. And so if you, if you teach values, you're eventually going to just exercise those values. So teach to learn is probably a good one. Wow. I think, and I realized too, um, really using my resources. I think I was probably the biggest proponent of just putting my head down and focusing on just the things that I can do. Mm. And like, to your point, like, like teaching your staff or whoever your resource is going to be like, there's times I just need to rely on Marina. I'm like, babe, I can't do this today. Like I need you to just do this for me. If you can, like not to devalue her time. And she's like, Oh, Boom, bet. I got you. Just let me know what you need. And it's not always that easy, but like if you never speak up, no one ever knows. Right. Right. Ask for help and and trust yeah. in those that you're that you're asking for help in. Guys, that that was great. I can't thank you enough, both of you. I, I value both of you and value both of your your times and value everybody who is here who's taking time out of their day to tune in and and listen into this. I do want to end this with a happy Father's Day to to both of you and to all the other dads that are out there. It's such an important day to celebrate fatherhood, um, celebrate one another, celebrate great dads who are out there who are constantly trying and trying to find, you know, ways to support their, their families and their kids and other dads. So thank you all for being here. That'll, that'll do it. Thank you guys. Dads are better than moms. Dads are better than moms. Dads are better than mommy. Sorry. <laughs>